This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. All righty, let's welcome everybody out to a brand new episode of the Red Sign Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hollifield. I have a Clay Winder, he is co-hosting with me today. How are you yes, doing, Clay? Very good. It's good to be here. Sorry, I'm sure all the listeners have just been dying to get me back on. It's it's been a few. I've episodes. missed quite a few episodes. So yeah, it's good but to be we back. have a we have a special guest today. Uh, super excited to sit down with uh, this gentleman today. He is in the Red Sign Podcast Studios with us, Jeffrey Butler. This is uh, the second time you've been on the Red Sign Podcast, I guess. Correct. And, uh, you know, this is the first time I've been on with you. So I'm excited to, um, chat with you about cost segregation today and kind of how that can benefit us and, uh, you know, how we can use it. And, and, uh, I know Clay's got a, he's, he's yeah, you excited. Guys, there's a reason I'm back for this episode with Jeffrey. Yeah. Uh, I told him right when he walked in, I wanted to give him a big hug and a kiss because of, of the blessing of cost segregation in my own financial life. So, and this isn't just like a testimonial. This is a strategy that, that has changed my life. And I said, this is about year and a half ago when we had you back on the episode and I, and I had had my first couple of tax returns at that point with cost seg, uh, in it. And it brought my, my, my tax burden to zero. Well, last year we made a lot of money last year. Like real estate has been doing good the last couple of years. So I was a little worried and my taxes, I know this episode's like in the fall. I'm one of those guys that has to wait until like the fall. Cause it takes so long to get all my K one schedules, but my, it was like a big mystery. Like, what am I going to pay in taxes this year? And then my accountant called me and said, I am calling you, not just texting or email. I'm calling you because I, I, I haven't seen a, a, prettier tax return than yours. And he not only got my, my effective tax rate to zero. Uh, so I paid no taxes. In fact, I'm getting a tax return back from my, you know, quarterlies and things I pay. But he said, you are going into next year with a, with a negative amount. So go make lots of money this year. Cause you can dig yourself a pretty good income before you're burdened with taxing. I thought, holy smokes, how is this? And he said, it is a hundred, like I have normal deductions and things like that. He said, but you cost, you, you accelerated five rentals last year, which I did. And I thought, well, but they're just little condos. So it doesn't matter. Those cost eggs were huge. Those reports were huge. So yeah. So maybe we'll start with just like, what is cost egg? Why to do it? And then I've got lots of questions for you. Yeah, <laughs> let's, <laughs> I got lots of questions for you now, but uh. hey, I want everyone to save on their taxes. It's just it's frustrating when we have so many conversations with with and I'd call them amateur investors that say, well, rates are so high, so why would I ever buy a rental property? There's no cash flow, and I'm thinking I could care less about cash flow to some degree. Again, I've got. I've got income enough that I need to get deductions. So if I've got to even pay and subsidize a couple little rentals, a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a, you know, a month, just in order to have the rental that then I can do a cost seg study and save on taxes. If I do the math on that, it is a no brainer, but that's not for everybody. And that's why we kind of got to get into yeah. who qualifies for cost seg. You know, if you're not necessarily making a lot of income and paying a lot of taxes, this might not be a lot of bang for your buck. So there's, there's some nuances to it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So if you want to introduce with, uh, you know, what is cost segregation and kind of how does it work? I guess. Is, is yeah, that, yeah. What is it? How does it work and who should be doing for, it? For new listeners, even, you know, people that have just joined the podcast, even to kind of, well, okay. So cost segregation is in the tax code and it's the opportunity to 
accelerate and properly tag assets within the building so that everything is not considered a 27 and a half year asset okay. or for commercial properties, a 39 year asset. So carpets, window coverings, lighting, some spe- uh, specialty plumbing, land improvements such as gravel, concrete, shrubs, bushes, trees, sprinkling systems, you're going to have to replace those things prior to 27 and a half years to some degree or another. Okay. Right? And so cost segregation has been around since the eighties and it really has taken off since 2017 with the tax cuts and jobs act that went into effect on September 27th, 2017, where the rules changed for cost segregation. So a person that purchases a property, it doesn't matter if it's new or if it's an old property, like a new build or an old property, anybody that purchases an investment property, commercial or residential can utilize cost segregation to reduce their taxes via accelerated depreciation. Hmm. So creating a, a, bucket, so to speak, of depreciation that your CPA can use according to how you are registered. So registered reps, if you are a registered rep with real estate, then that can directly flow through, hit your K-1s all the way back to your personal tax returns. And that's what Clay experienced Mm -hmm. because of his rep status, his professional status. But you do not have to be a realtor or have a realtor's license to get rep status. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. And we're going to dive into rep status because we all, that's the number one question we have with you, but not right now. I just want to clarify uh, on just what cost seg is. Sometimes I want you to correct me because sometimes I, I, I explain it to a, uh, a client or friend simply by saying it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit where instead of an equalized straight line depreciation schedule of 27 and a half years, we identify those certain items that you listed off that have a shorter lifespan. And this study essentially takes what normally would be depreciating over 27 and a half years and just moving up that schedule so that a lot more items are depreciated quicker and heavier in the first years and obviously very light in the latter years. Sure. Is yep. that a good way to describe it? Yep. Kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul? <laughs> so with straight, just like what you said, robbing Peter to pay Paul, with straight line depreciation, what you're doing or what the government is doing, they're taking your depreciation and utilizing it over 27 and a half years or 39 years. What you're doing with cost segregation is you are taking advantage of it on the front end. So you are taking advantage of those short life assets, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. You Ooh, are I like utilizing- robbing the government to pay myself, though. That's a much better way to <laughs> So, So you're utilizing the depreciation that the government would have been u- utilizing- uh over that 27 and a half years. That's better said. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a better way to understand it. Hmm. It's in the tax code. They encourage it. Current audit tax guide that was changed at the end of last year. The IRS knows that it's happening and they actually encourage it to be utilized for people who can use it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Current audit tax guide. And accountants are pretty familiar with it. And just so our listeners understand the process, we hire you, you come out, you do the, 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 the physical visit, take the photos. And then after a few weeks or so, a report is generated. This is the report that I turn into my accountant or our listeners turn in their accountant. 
It's very uh, simple for them to read and translate and to essentially replace the normal straight line depreciation with this report. And then they hang on to that report and that's how it, you know, they plug in the numbers that your report yep. has and we're off to the races. So it's, it's very simple. Yeah. And that's what we try to do. So CPAs, they are general surgeons. They know a lot about the tax code. They know a lot more than we do across the spectrum of the tax code. We are specialists. We're a neurosurgeon or something like that, where we know a lot about this. And so CPA, CPA firms, they like utilizing cost seg firm companies because we have the bandwidth that they don't have to be able to perform these studies and, and provide them this service that would take them hours and hours to do. And if they're, if it takes hours and hours to do, then they're charging their clients hours and hours billing hours. And so they just hire us. We give it to the CPAs. The CPA has it on hand and can apply it to the tax, the individual's tax return accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, and again, just for our, 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 friends that don't love reading their tax returns like the rest of us do. It's very simple. The depreciation lowers your AGI. So when that, when your accountant gets that uh, depreciation, it lowers your AGI. Therefore you pay less taxes. So when I said I got mine to zero, it literally got my AGI to zero. I haven't had that in, in quite a while, but that was incredible. And I appreciate that you mentioned that because there is this misnomer that what we do is like money in your hand, right? So, Ooh, good point. So the depreciation is money in the bank for you to take and, you know, cash out. Nope. It reduces yeah, it's your not AGI. A, I got my AGI to zero. Therefore, uh, the t- you know, normally I'd, I'd write a check for taxes. This time, not only did I not have to write a check for taxes, which was nice, but the, the payments that I had made throughout the year, the pre, you know, the pre-tax payments, um, actually I'm getting a tax return, you know, which is just a, an awesome thing. And maybe this is a good point because I know any real estate investor, uh, that's used to getting mortgages will say, well, hang on, I've got a tax return now that has zero on it. I'm never going to be able to qualify to buy anything, you know, at all. Cause I've got a, a tax return at zero. Uh, before I answer that question, navigating that, how would you answer that Jeffrey? Cause that is probably the next common question that we get. So we have had a, a couple of individuals, um, one of your colleagues, I think, reached out to us because when they were going through the process of, of purchasing a new building, the lender looked at their tax return and said, what in the world? We can't lend you anything because you don't have any taxable income. And so he reached out to us and said, hey, can you describe or explain to the lender what this really means? That this isn't an ongoing zero, zero, zero. So I'm not, I actually do have income coming in. And all we did is we just wrote up a a basic paragraph explaining what cost segregation is, that it's a one-time depreciation on assets that you have. There is income that's involved, um, but cost segregation is a one-time thing. It's not going to be something (laughs) that will zero out so that you, you are poor. And so we have done a couple of letters yeah. describing that, explaining that to lenders, and they they understand. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I think what they simply do then is they just circle that depreciated amount and add it back in and say, okay, well, therefore then you do qualify. You have this amount of income that was depreciated out. But mm-hmm. it did take some education. We've had to do that a few times or even, uh, yeah, us realtors have had to get in with the lenders and say, 
does your underwriter understand how to read this tax return? Because this isn't your normal tax return. Yeah. And a lot of underwriters, frankly, don't know how to read it. So we just have to educate them. And we're happy to educate. And with that letter and that education, the lenders understand and move forward. Yep. So it's Yeah, I think that one, I, I know that one specifically. And it took a letter from you guys and a letter from the CPA explaining just how it works. I think the CPA even cited some tax code, you know, <laughs> references and said, look it up if you want. But ultimately we just had to, to show them how it works so that they could add the amount back in. And then we were off to the races. Bingo. Great question. Yeah. So now the biggest question, who can do a cost seg? This, this is, this is, this jams us up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who owns an investment property is eligible to do a cost segregation study. So personal residences are not eligible. Oh, <laughs> However, you're not making any income. <laughs> if your CPA, let's say that you rent out a basement, you rent out a like, room, like a mother-in-law or something a like that, mother-in-law apartment, or even a business. So yeah. you run your business out of your home on your tax return. It will show a business use percentage and it will show up on the depreciation schedule. So your CPA will put the address of the property. It will give a value to it. And it will also have a business use percentage on there. You can do a cost segregation study. Um, so anybody that has an investment property that is residential or commercial, they can do a cost segregation study. Now, how can they apply it? That is the, dev the devil is in the details there. Mm -hmm. So when that's what people ask us a lot too, is I guess how much, how much can certain individuals based on their profession milk it? I don't, you know, <laughs> how yeah. much utility can they get out of these cost se seg studies? Yeah. If somebody has a full-time job and they are not a real estate professional, then they have a $25,000 cap on the amount that can be used in one year based upon their income level. That's so still pretty significant though. It that's is. A good, that's a good chunk and, to depreciate. And it can also go, it can go against any passive income. So you have passive income through your rental property. You have passive income through business loss, business income. You have passive income coming in from investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and stuff like that. If you get any type of passive income, that cost segregation can go against the passive income wherever that passive income comes from. Mm. Okay. Because that's one of the big questions. Can the cost seg depreciation go toward W-2'd income? And that's what everyone is expecting and wanting, of course, mm. right? If you have rep status, then yes. And rep status is dependent upon your CPA. That's what we just say. Um, there is the short-term rental loophole um, that some people take advantage of. So it's certain amount of hours that you participate in. You're actively participating in renting out, cleaning, scheduling, all the everything that goes along with a short-term rental. And if you have a short-term rental and you do have income from it and you are able to get that short-term rental loophole, which is, I think it's 40 hour. I can't remember. I don't want to, I don't want to misstate anything on, on here. Look it up. Look it up. Your friend Google can answer it. <laughs> but a cost segregation is performed on the short-term rental and it can go against that short-term rental. And you can, you can access it all. You don't have to be a rep with that short-term rental loophole. And okay. CPAs are very well aware of that. Long-term rentals, they are more involved. So you have to have a lot more hours throughout the year. So pretty much you have to be doing it full-time. So not uh, hiring a cleaning company, not hiring somebody else, a property management company to do it if you want to take advantage of it. So if it's me and my wife and my wife full-time 
is managing a rental property for us, thousand hours, then we file a joint return, we could reduce our W-2, our combined W-2 income. Okay. But she has to be doing it full time. Gotcha. Okay. There's no loophole. All right. And if you have a long-term rental and a couple of other short-term rental properties, you spend the time, then the cost that can be applied to all of the income compared to the short-term rental loophole, which is short-term rental income from one property can the short cost segregation goes against that property that we, we do not against other properties. Gotcha. Okay. So that's uh, really good to know. And for people who do have W2 income, the only way it can go to their W2 income is if their rep status as indicated by the CPA or a thousand hours full time involved with the rental. Right. So let's, let, let's use probably the more common listener that we have right now. Let's use my brother as an example. He's a doctor. He owns a couple of rentals. He's got some passive income from rental properties, probably some investment accounts, different things that he has going on. But his, his main source of income is his doctor paychecks. He decides to do a cost seg study hypothetically on his, his fourplex that comes in. Walk me through that. It's a $25,000 cap for a guy like that, right? And assuming he's not rep status. Assuming which he's, he's not. not. He's a doctor. He's not putting in. Yeah. Yeah. And so 25000 is the starting point of the amount that is available in this year. It goes down based on income. So if his income goes up, then that amount goes down. There is a minimum amount that can be used against it. So let's say it goes down to $5,000 that he can use against passive income. Okay. Well, the remaining, whatever we segregate is still there for future use. And so if in any one year down the road, something happens so that, you know, his wife actually gets rep status or whatever, it can flip into the active income. I'm just assuming though, that even 25,000 might not sound like a lot, but in my mind, it's like, okay, his rental income alone is, is that amount or more just from the rentals. But then if you include other passive income sources, He's certainly more than that. So that's a pretty good chunk. It's a, the full 25,000 ideally is being reduced in his AGI. Yeah. And that's where the big bang for your buck. So yeah. he's at a you know, 30, 40% tax bracket. That's just saved him six or seven grand. There you go. So in that's that how I would put it into like money in my pocket. How much for a guy like that, a cost seg study that might cost him a couple thousand dollars to buy from you guys should literally put back through the tax savings five, six, seven grand. Yeah. That's kind of the in quick this, math in my mind. In this year, but it can in also, this year. and then the next year, it is Another, still there. Yeah. Yeah. For several years. Right, yeah. right, right. So it should, so that, that study that, you know, was done one time has added benefit for exactly. several years. Because the depreciation is not, does not go away until it's used up. Yeah. Chris, I'm sorry. I keep firing. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, we're going to need to wrap this episode up here in oh, a I've second. Oh, I've got one more here. deep, yeah, yeah, deep if you, if, question. If you got a deep, throw out another one here. I mean, we, got, one might, we got all the time in the world, but I, I just know that they're waiting for Jeffrey downstairs. I know, so. but this is a genuine question I don't know the answer to that <laughs> I like want to get to the bottom of. There's a lot of yeah. investment companies out there 
uh, that are that are creating either a syndication, you know, they're pulling up a bunch of investors, buying a commercial building or even a fund, you know, mm-hmm. they buy in a fund. And then they say, hey, we're going to do a cost seg study and we're going to deliver you guys uh, uh, these cost seg savings through K-1 schedules. One thing I've never had answered is what happens when, let's use my brother again, me and my brother are invested the same amounts on the same property. We both get the same K-1 schedule. I am, am in real estate. I qualify for rep status. He is not. Mm-hmm. How is that just the same as we've already talked about? The accountant needs to determine, well, you're limited, you know, Clay's brother, because you're not rep status. Clay, you can use a little more. Is it, is, is it the accountant that just determines rep status or not? Uh-huh. So I didn't know the answer to that question. You did. You did. So in that situation, we do deal with uh, investment companies and fund companies and stuff. And so, yes, the savings passes through the K-1 to the investors. So, And I guess all it really means is I might use more of it up front. His might linger longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right? a, yeah. I mean, the whole Rob Peter to pay Paul, I sure. just get to maybe maximize a little more up front if I want to. Yeah. Whereas he has that cap. That's really the only difference, right? Yep. That's the only difference. Okay. Cause what we're seeing is, and, and I'm doing it right. Like I've syndicated deals and whatnot, and I really am pushing the, the, uh, you know, the incentive of, Hey, investing in with our group and on this building, um, you know, yeah, we've got cash flow, we've got appreciation, we've got, but I usually let people know we will be doing a cost segregation study right out the gates on day one. So, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. And, and people usually get pretty excited about that, but I want to make sure I'm not over promising to those that, that don't that, have rep status, that don't have rep status. Yeah. Yeah. So on the K one, your K one will be less than his. That's an easy way to think about it. Oh, interesting. Got it. That's the easiest way. Well, hold on though. With the, with the, with the accountant doing the, the return for the entity, the fund have to determine who's rep status or who's not before they create the K ones or do they create them equally, send them out and they're receiving accounting and figure that out. The either way. So if an investment fund company has the capacity to be able to recognize what that is, then they could make that there. But you are correct on the other end. Just let the accountant on the back end at the very end, just say, Oh, you have rep status. Okay. Yeah, if you can't tell, one of my funds, I'm going to have to prep K-1 schedules later this year. And so that's what I'm like, oh, no, I really want to get into the weeds on yeah. on that. This is this is awesome. Yeah, what a tool. And I'm sure you've had a million more questions, Clay. I'm no, sorry, hey, to, this, sorry to cut a short no, I know. I know we're out of time. Um, this is just such good stuff. And I, yeah. I, I'm just such an advocate. And just, I guess I'll just, I'll... I'll I'll add and then I'll stop talking, but I, I can't recommend you enough, Jeffrey. You're, you're, you guys are good. You're quick. You're efficient. Um, you're also multi-state, right? You're not just limited to the state of Utah, Correct. Uh, which is just a fantastic tool for anybody investing really anywhere. How can, can our listeners reach out to you, Jeff? Sure. It, it, what would be a good way to, to do that? Like what's the best way to do that? Um, my email okay. is the best one because then we can communicate and we have you know a paper trail and, and I can give you specifically what we would need. Okay. to be able to help you out. And so that's uh, J Butler, J B U T L E R at cost seg com. Very cool. Anything else either one of you want to add before we wrap this episode up? Happy to help you guys. It's been fun yeah. to see, to work with you and to, to help you save money. And yeah, I know that's such an awesome way to start. I like just saying this guy makes me rich. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's kind of hard to hate him, right? Yeah. No, you're, not that, you're, but you're, it, it is so nice not writing a check this year. To the yeah, I, like, I could imagine, but uh, thank you so much, Jeffrey. And you know, we'll just have to bring you 
on again. I'm sure there's hopefully a, sooner you than know, 18 more months. <laughs> there's a there's a million questions, and if anybody has any questions out there, reach out to Jeffrey. Reach out to us. I mean, maybe the next time we bring them on, we can answer some of your questions. Sure. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We're here every other week. And uh, other than that, thank we'll you, talk. Chris. Yeah, th- thank, thank you, you everybody, Jeffrey. and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.